You are listening to FPEA Connects, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to episode number 77 of FPEA Connects. I'm Suzanne, and I am thrilled that you decided to listen in today. We have got a fun topic today, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But first, I'm saying hey to Sharon. Hey, Sharon. Hey. So Sharon and I have been really busy this past weekend before Mm -hmm. we're recording this. Um, But having fun, right? Yes. (laughs) We were at our STEM conference in Sanibel. And um, for those of you who might be listening that haven't heard about these, we have a STEM conference um, every year. We've been to Sanibel now twice. Uh, we tried to go three times, but the Hurricane Irma knocked us out once. <laughs> and we didn't get to do it that year. But um, Sanibel is a great place, but the STEM conferences are all focused on some element of STEM sciences, typically, and We um, have done marine biology. This year we did meteorology, and it was just a lot of fun. And those conferences are so great because uh, a lot of people know our convention, which is huge. But the STEM conference is an opportunity for us to get together with a a smaller group, maybe 80 families or whatever, Mm -hmm. and um, really just kind of dive into learning. And we did dissections the past two Mm -hmm. years for the students and just a lot of good information for families to take away, not to mention great fellowship and fun and a beautiful place. What is your favorite part of our STEM conference in Sanibel? Well, I really liked the location. I think I thought it was perfect for the event that we were having, but it was a nice resort and oh, yeah. getting away from the East Coast. It was nice going to the West Coast, but I also really enjoyed our children's program. I thought the children's yes. program this year was really fun, and it was really neat. All it was packed full of tons of stuff for them to do in just one short day. Oh yeah, and our children's program, you know, basically it runs all day Saturday. Um, and our sim or our team program runs usually at least a portion of the day and they do, they do some really great hand on, hands on experiential stuff. They took the same mm-hmm. nets out into the ocean, saying mm-hmm. for different specimens. And, um, we had great speakers this year, Sherry Seligson. Yes. Uh, everybody loves Sherry that ever gets to spend any time with her cause she is just passionate about, um, the marine sciences and she's so much fun and just brings things down to, you know, the level. And we had um, a, a well-renowned meteorologist who spoke this year, Andy Johnson, and he was just full of great information, especially following on the heels of Hurricane Dorian. And um, so we had a lot of interesting conversations about yeah, it was weather really, systems in Florida. It was really yeah. neat. Yeah. And, um, so, and then we had our master gardener who talked mm-hmm. about you know, landscaping with native plants and invasive plants to Florida. It was very interesting. Yeah. So I love, I think that was my favorite thing. We had really great speakers yeah. and interactions. So, um, but you know what? I, I look at that and I think about the different things that we did and the different methods that we used to kind of spark interest for mm-hmm. all kinds of people. And it kind of brings me to the thought of why I love homeschooling. Um, so much, um, you know, and the topic today, I think, comes into play for this because what we're talking about are some of the various methods 
um, and approaches to homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And um, I think to kind of you're going to kind of try to break some of that down for moms who might either be new to homeschooling or even moms that have been homeschooling for a while. But sometimes you kind of get caught up in in this one thing because you're familiar with it and it's not really, really working mm-hmm. and you're kind of scared to try something new because you don't really know what it means or how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially if it's something that you're not connected to through other friends or groups, sometimes it's hard to pick it up. But, you know, the beauty of homeschooling to me is that it really, um, for me as a parent, it gave me the opportunity to pick what was the best way for my kids to learn mm-hmm. and to make that happen for them. And, you know, we all have different learning styles. We all have different interests, um, different goals that we might have for education and different ways that we're motivated to to pursue learning and education. But um, the fact that you can take your child's education and basically their interests and their goals and everything and tailor it to fit them perfectly or customize it. I always tell people you're customizing this education um, makes makes homeschooling fantastic to Mm -hmm. me. So, um... One of the things that makes it hard, I think, to um, talk about homeschooling methods when you're talking to people that are new or even that haven't ventured out into other areas of homeschooling mm-hmm. is there's this whole language. There's all these names. Yeah, the terminology. <laughs> the terminology. And it can be foreign to you if you've not mm-hmm. heard of it before. And people like you and me, I mean, you were traditionally schooled in a public school Correct. system. I was, too. Uh, a little bit of time in a private school, but both of those are very traditional mm-hmm. classroom settings where you know you go to school, you sit in your desk, you learn what the teacher tells you mm-hmm. um, to learn. So a lot of lecture style learning and then, you know, labs or other hands-on things, some field trips occasionally here and there. Right. But it was basically very traditional um, style. And I know I taught for 13 years before I started homeschooling Mm -hmm. and um, I was even in the classroom, I approached education a little bit differently. But when I started homeschooling, the first thing I thought is I have to do it the way that with the school, you know, has done that because that's been effective, right. For so many years. So that traditional method is effective and we need to stick to it. Right. And so um, I've changed my thoughts on that since then. Yeah. (laughs) But I think talking about it, for me, with with people throwing some of this language around when I first mm-hmm. started, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of it. If I've never heard of it, does it work? Right. You know, so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about some things. But first, I want to go ahead. We'll talk about what's familiar to us, what the traditional mm-hmm. approach to homeschooling looks like. Right. Um, it's very reflective of the public school or the private school setting. Um, I know some of my friends used to um, say to me when I was, you know, first starting to homeschool um, that I wasn't really uh, homeschooling. I was just bringing school home. And now that's a term that you hear said a lot around Mm -hmm. homeschooling. Mm -hmm. But then I thought, well, that's what I was supposed to be doing. Wasn't (laughs) I supposed to bring homeschool? (laughs) You know, wasn't I supposed to bring home? But it really didn't work for me because when I did that, I still ran into the same problems that I, the reasons I wanted to homeschool was to get my kids on a better, you know, fit for them and to work better. And it, and it still wasn't working at home to try that traditional approach. Right. But, um, the traditional approach relies primarily, it mimics the classroom. So it relies primarily like on workbooks, textbooks, 
um, traditional kinds of testing. Um, a lot of teacher-led, whether that is like the parent leading it or there's a lot of curriculum that has DVD mm -hmm. video instruction now. Uh, some people would even use Florida Virtual School. That's mm -hmm. going to still fall under that really traditional side. Um, and the reason I think that it's an attractive option for homeschooling parents um, is kind of for multiple reasons. I think one is because it's familiar to a lot of them. Mm -hmm. It was what they did and it worked for them. And right. so some homeschooling parents, you know, want to stick with what they know works. Um, another reason I think that it is sometimes attractive is for um, the, the fact that um, the people know that their kids are going to go to college. Like, their future goals are college. They're going to need to learn in a traditional setting, a college setting. Mm -hmm. So let's keep them on that path, you know, more traditional that mimics that classroom setting. And then also sometimes parents have had their kids in school and are going to pull them out. And when they pull them out, the school part, the academic part may have been working for them. Mm -hmm. It may have been social things that weren't you know, great, or the family moves a lot or something else, but the, the academics were fine. So it was comfortable. It was familiar to the kids. So they pull them out and they continue mm -hmm. to do that. Uh, or you could have the other thing where they're out for a season, whether they're um, dealing with health issues or moving, and they know that they're going to go back into a traditional setting. So they just kind of keep going along right. with that traditional um, setting. So, you know, it's a method that works if it works for your child, mm -hmm. if your child is comfortable with it and it works for um, you. And then I can honestly say there's a couple of really um, well-tested known curriculums that are traditional that are mm -hmm. very familiar in the homeschool community, like uh, BJU Press is one, a Becca is one, and those are curriculums that have some of those DVD instructions right. and all that kind of thing. And, and they come prepared, you know, a grade by grade type of curriculum. Right. And, um, you know, you can kind of get kind of a whole box that just says, this is it for seventh grade. And this is what you do. And right. it works really well for some people. Right. So that would be the traditional method. Yep. So did you do something more like that when you started homeschooling? Yes. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I just bought, you know, some curriculum. I didn't buy a box set of curriculum. Mm -hmm. I had different ones. I used Apologia for Science teaching textbooks for math. Yeah. And yeah, we purchased a curriculum and you did the curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did do, we did build in some field trips and whatever and did stuff throughout the day, but absolutely the, the formal education, if you will, was traditional. Traditional. Well, and I think that, um, like so Florida virtual school is they have it set up now from like kindergarten, almost yeah. through high school, 12th grade. Yeah. And we did and, use FLVS yeah. for a few, uh, Electives. Yeah, and we have too. And I think that that's, you know, kind of the the beauty of it because you're exposed, even mm -hmm. if you're not doing something very traditional, you're exposed to that method right. still mm -hmm. um, to prepare yourself for future years, um, maybe in college. Right. Okay, moving on. We're going to talk about the classical approach. Uh -huh. um, the classical approach is actually called that because we know it dates back to like the Middle Ages. It right. was... It really was using the classics for education and the method that really mirrors the um, education of some of the greatest minds mm -hmm. in history. Uh, and the, the idea behind the method is that you want to teach your children 
to learn for themselves. Right. right? So you're creating lifelong learners. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so once they're interested in learning something, they can pick it up. They can, you know, read about it. They can learn about it on their own. And they have the understanding of how to learn and, and pursue that education um, for whatever interest they may have. So you would have had like some of our founding fathers who would have, you know, studied law mm-hmm. on their own and didn't necessarily even go to law school, but they right. really had an understanding. So that kind of education is what we're talking right. about. Um Classical method, you know, that approach says that it occurs in basically three stages. There's the preparation uh, stage, the grammar stage, and the dialectic stage. And the tools, um, the five tools that they use are referred to as the trivium. Um, And it's the basic tools for learning through those stages. So it's reason, record, relate, research, and rhetoric. You know, so once you work through those stages, Mm -hmm. you understand something very well. Okay. And so that's the reason that they're, you know, um, or the method behind that approach, mm-hmm. so to speak. And um, there, again, are some strong curricula that support the classical approach. It might be, for me, it was better for me instead of just jumping into a curriculum. I like to understand some of the why behind why you would use an approach like that versus others. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did is I picked up Um, A book, it was The Well-Trained Mind, the full title is A Well-Trained Mind, A Guide to Classical Education at Home, and it's by Susan Wise Bauer and Jesse Wise. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great book to kind of help you understand, you know, why. And then there's another one that Susan Wise Bauer wrote called The Well-Educated Mind, A Guide to the Classical Education You Never Had. So I think that that one helps a little bit more as parents, you know, because most of us wouldn't have had a classical education. Again, if we grew up in the public school system, it was more traditional. Um, So understanding that and understanding the why behind it, that book helps you Mm -hmm. kind of hone in on it. So here's another approach that we want to talk about, because this is one approach that I think in one way or the other, we see it popping up as very popular Uh, And I think that, you know, some groups just kind of pull from this and they don't necessarily always call their group something that says Charlotte Mason, Mm -hmm. but that's what it falls back to is a Charlotte Mason Mason approach Mm -hmm. to homeschooling. So um, do you know much about Charlotte Mason? I'm very familiar with the term and I'm not real familiar with the approach or the method. And it's funny because when I first heard it, you know, my first question is when you hear a name, who was that person? Right. I'd never heard of Charlotte Mason before, and I'd studied education, but I'd never heard of her. Um, She was actually a British educator, and she believed that the best approach to learning was through the use of living books. That's Mm -hmm. another term. We all look, we're like living books. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's the difference in living books? And the other ones are non-living. Yeah. Right. What what is that? What is that? But, um, you know, living books are are the primary basis for her literature. Real life learning situations are very important. Um, Nature studies and of course play. Mm -hmm. Um, She also, instead of like regular test taking, really promoted um, the technique of of narrative, you know, narration where Mm -hmm. you remember something, memorized it and recited it. And then also um, writing to show understanding um, and, you know, that you have learned something instead of the traditional testing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, she was also very effective in getting um, across the idea that children can learn languages. So Charlotte Mason education, a true Charlotte Mason education, even younger children might learn multiple languages mm-hmm. um, as they go along because her approach to it was more of like an easy speaking approach rather than a grammatical mm-hmm. approach. So you could actually speak and learn languages um, through that Charlotte Mason method more easily than you would through other mm-hmm. others. Um, again, it's a very natural approach um, to learning, I think. And some of the books that I would suggest reading, if you're interested in understanding the approach better, are um, For the Children's Sake, Foundations of Education for Home and School by Susan Schaefer McCauley. And then The Charlotte Mason Companion, which is a personal reflections on the gentle art of learning by Karen Andriola. And those are two good books. There are also, again, some really great um, resources. Simply Charlotte Mason is a great resource Mm -hmm. for the Charlotte Mason um, method. Mm -hmm. And um, I know there's a lot of people that really, you know, employ elements of Charlotte Mason, even if they don't use Charlotte Mason in its entirety. Correct. And and you can do that. Um, So I wanted to touch on a couple of approaches that I've seen um, that are, uh, I think more of a focus of early educators, like, or even early mm-hmm. home educators, mm-hmm. um, that we see also though, kind of out in a, you know, non-homeschooling circles. But, um, I hear more people ask more questions about these recently of me. So I want to talk about the Montessori approach, um, which is generally, I think, used with younger children. Some of the methods, of Montessori can certainly be used later on in life. Um, You know, you can pick what you liked about anything like that and carry it through um, as you get older. But typically the parents um, are using this with young children. So this approach mainly emphasizes what you would call open learning. So if you were to see this like in a classroom in a Montessori preschool, Mm -hmm. you would see, um, you know, that the materials are available. The sections are all kind of divided And the children pick what they want to do and they go do it when they want to do it. So they might Mm -hmm. go pick up, you know, blocks and play with the blocks for a while. But then they're, you know, they go back to the place where they are. And whatever goes with those blocks to help them learn is a part of the materials and the resources that they get, you know, in there. Mm -hmm. So um, it's interesting because the Montessori schools that I've seen, when you go into them, they're very clean. It's very, it's a very uncluttered space. And order, it's very orderly. I think the children learn with a Montessori method, really, that there is a place for everything mm-hmm. and everything goes to its place. And when you finish this, you move to the next thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's interesting about the Montessori method. And also, um, you know, I've seen where there's a lot of uh, Montessori schools that will have a lot of uh, caring for animals mm-hmm. as a part of their education. So... You know, that is something that I think also carries well over into homeschooling if that's a method or approach that you're using with young children. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, in Montessori school, there's going to be specific types of materials, um, you know, things like, you know, child size tools and kitchens and um, all kinds of other materials. And you could have all of those things, but you don't have to purchase all those things to make it work at home. You right. know, there's some real specific items to Montessori schools, 
but you don't have to have that to make it work. Another thing, another thing that you would see with Montessori approach is a very minimal use of electronics. Mm. So much more hands-on, natural learning based and, you know, imaginative. Right. Um, so a couple of books for the Montessori method um, that you might look at would be the Montessori method by Maria Montessori. Um, and then the Montessori at home guide which is a short guide to a practical Montessori homeschool for children ages two to six. And that's by A.M. Sterling. So, um, again, keeping kind of in that same vein of the younger children. Um, another approach that I keep hearing a little bit more about in homeschooling circles is the Waldorf approach. Um, it's a more what I would call like a holistic approach because the focus is kind of on educating the body, mind, and spirit. Mm -hmm. And they kind of emphasize this through the use of music, nature study, the arts. And it's a, it's not common that you would see textbooks. Electronics are discouraged. And uh, you will often see that the kids, it's kind of what you call a general approach to homeschooling, so mm -hmm. that the children may not start academics at an early age that may be delayed a little bit so that mm -hmm. they're they're learning when they're ready to learn versus when you think it's time right. for them to learn. So they'll, you know, develop reasoning skills. They learn through great literature as they get older. But the younger um, ages are really nature study and play mm -hmm. and, you know, like I said, music and the arts. So that's Waldorf education. And then... Um, <clears throat> one that's been around for a while that people will have heard of probably may not understand is unschooling. Mm -hmm. That one's been around. That's a real common terminology nowadays. <laughs> it it's very common. Yeah. That's I probably the most heard of. It is. And I think that, um, uh, I think it had a bad rep for a long time. I think that, you know, people mm -hmm. didn't understand what unschooling really looks like. It was like. definitely misunderstood. Yeah, I think it's definitely. Still is to some probably degree. to some degree. Yeah, I think it's becoming um, more understood, you know, and I think people are uh, embracing it a little bit more. But um, sometimes I think that the way that you'll hear it referred to is like passion-directed learning. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably truly how I see it. Unschooling rejects the idea that children have to be taught how to learn and really embraces that the idea that the resources um, for learning should be provided to kids based on what they're interested in. And, you know, with a mindset that if they're really interested in studying Legos right now, they're going to learn everything about Legos. Right. If they're really interested in studying about weapons of war, they'll just consume everything they can about, you know, weapons. And in the meantime, they're learning history. They're learning mm -hmm. about, you know, other important things. So, um, you know, and a part of that is if they're learning intently and they're interested in something, um, that will drive them to the next thing. So if you're really interested in learning about, you know, um, dairy cows, the next thing you might learn about is the process of pasteurization because at some point you're going to learn about mm -hmm. the milk and the thing. Pasteurization might lead you to learning more about science because you're really interested in how that happened. You know, right. so it kind of goes along with that mentality and methodology that that's going to inspire learning to go to the next place. Right. Um, and I think that that's probably what happens. I think the concern that people have sometimes, uh, parents or uh, especially grandparents, <laughs> if you're approaching homeschooling that way, is that they're going to miss something. Yeah. That they're not. What if they're never interested in math? Right. right. 
Um, I think that, you know, it kind of goes back to that um, place that I was just talking about. If you're learning and you're inspired to continue learning, then there are going to be those things that are interesting to you. And even if it's not the most interesting to you, I think parents play a part in, you know, making um, things available mm -hmm. and exposing your students to things right. that are needed, you know, and mm -hmm. helping them understand the, the connections. Right. And I think you still learn through that. So the first person that I really knew that was um, an unschooler that was graduated from college and very successful um, was just, you know, always talked about how they just studied everything. And she ended up going to school and got a degree in accounting. And, you know, mm -hmm. so I think she debunked like every thing and even though she said as a child she really wasn't interested in the math or the numbers right but as she grew it was necessary right. you know and so once it became necessary and she understood oh this is not she learned mm -hmm. what she needed to well then she developed a love for it and was an entrepreneur right and it just you know it all worked so I think that it's interesting if you're kind of driven to follow your child's passions to at least explore it as an option and to understand it, you know, don't just go based mm -hmm. on what other people tell you. So a good book um, by Ben Hewitt is Homegrown, Adventures in Parenting Off the Beaten Path, Unschooling and Reconnecting with the Natural World. And then How Children Learn by John Holt. Mm -hmm. And I think those are two books that would help tremendously. Um, breaking it down a little bit more, we've got unit studies. That's definitely one of our other approaches to homeschooling. I've seen unit studies be really, really popular, like back when I first started doing mm -hmm. it. And then you kind of, people drifted away from that term being used a lot. Now I hear it more again. Yeah. And, um, the unit studies to me were perfect for things that we really wanted to focus on for a season, but not an entire life you know <laughs> it was one of those right. things and it was easy to approach a lot of different things with my kids and learn a little bit of something and you can tailor a unit study as a theme or a topic to include as much as you want to right to last as long as you want it to or it can be as short and focused as you want it to um and so the method basically uses a specific theme or a topic and then all of your core subjects kind of center around that theme um, I think it's great for families that have multiple age children mm -hmm. because you can learn about something together, but yeah. then, you know, get their, their tasks according to their age, right. you know, for their education. And I also think it works well for things like, um, holiday themes and, you know, and like schooling in the summer, if you want to kind of take a break from a traditional type curriculum mm -hmm. and use it for that. Uh, we really like to use it for travel. So if we're going to go somewhere or do something, we like to kind of get involved with that, um, travel, you know, and pursue that. I think unit studies are a good way for maybe even older kids or middle school and high school kids mm -hmm. to career shadow, if you will, like oh, yeah. get a taste of different things. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe learn how to do a unit study on bee farming or honey making yeah. or something. And they yeah. might discover that they really like working in that industry or whatever, whatever it yeah. might be. The it theme. is. It's, I think it's a great way to focus on something. Right. You know, it really is. And the thing about unit studies is if you're not great with creating them, mm -hmm. there are so, so, so many, like, endless options out there. You can oh, go on really, Pinterest yeah. <laughs> and find a million, so like, many. on any topic. 
And of course, you can use it as it is, or you can tweak it to make it what you want to be. But I, I would say with unit studies, possibilities are endless. Like, yeah, and it's totally. easy. I feel like anybody can do them. Oh, absolutely. Because they can be so simple or so complicated. Right. You can just make it all that you want it to be. Um, but if you really want to get down to it, we're going to talk about the approach that is all me. <laughs> this is me. I know the word that's coming. Do you know the word that's coming? I do. Um, my friends used to call it the I can't decide approach. approach. <laughs> and I said, no, it's very eclectic. <laughs> so the eclectic approach has actually now given been given that eclectic approach name. I don't know how long that really has been official. I don't know. Because I think it was just a bunch of people that, you know, took, like I like to look at it. It was taking the best of the best, right? Mm -hmm. I can pick and choose what I like from one method or approach over here, and we can carry it over here, and we can do this. So, um, and that's how I really think that a lot of people fall into that category mm -hmm. more and more because I think that if you're comfortable at all with trying to kind of create your own system, then that's what you end up doing. It's custom you know, homeschooling. <laughs> it is customized homeschooling at its best. It's the custom approach. <laughs> yeah. And and then it really is, um, you know, like I said, it crosses over, I think, sometimes throughout your whole homeschool. But I think that it's also, you're also eclectic. If you have one child that's very traditional and that works for them and another child that needs unit studies and, you know, so then your homeschool Big picture is eclectic, even if not every child's approach is eclectic. You and know? it morphs with time, too. It does. It really does. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I can say that for me, <clears throat> it really worked to approach um, some of these educational seasons with my kids from different angles. Mm -hmm. And along the way, we did. If that works, you know, if it worked really well that you're a literature kid and you can read mm -hmm. and learn a lot. Well, we're going to keep that because right. that carries over into everything in life right. moving forward. So, um, you don't have to stick to one thing, you know? Um, so I think that that kind of covers some of them. This is definitely not every, uh, approach to homeschooling. We did not hit them all. Right. There are others, but I hope that this has been helpful because the ones that we've talked about today are some of the ones <clears throat> that I think I get the most questions about. And commonly referred to. And commonly referred to, yeah, that you'll see a lot of things either on Pinterest or um, homeschool blogs or whatever. It's common referrals. And I think there's, you know, if you're interested in looking at some of the other things, I think that um, if you're a member of FPEA, you have access online to our um, guide to homeschooling in Florida. Uh -huh. And that literally goes through some of these approaches with more in-depth um, information and resources connected to them. And like I said, as a member, you can get those for free. Um, or they could contact the office and get a hard copy if that's something that they want. We have some of those uh, available. But um, all right. Well, I think that that kind of covers what we're going to talk about today mm -hmm. so thanks for joining me Sharon yeah <laughs> and for those of you who've listened in today thank you if you're considering homeschooling or maybe you're already fully engaged just remember FPEA is your source for all of your Florida homeschooling needs and you can check out our website at www.fpa.com for exciting opportunities some of those adventure road trips yeah. that we like to take and other valuable resources. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, or Instagram for other great tidbits and resources that are sure to help you as you create your customized homeschool journey.
Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed our show and will join us next time for FPEA Connects. You can find us on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network at ultimateradioshow.com. For more information about FPEA, visit us at our website, fpea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Until next time, stay connected.